Odd Trails contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. About five years ago, I was working as a preschool teacher in the Bay Area. I had already been teaching for several years at different locations when I transferred to a school that was close to my new home. The school was a five-minute drive through my neighborhood and was the perfect location. When I took a tour of the school for the first time, I noticed the layout was eerily strange. There was a security buzzer at the entrance with a small lobby and classrooms up and down a hallway, normal enough. To the left, where I would be teaching, the corridor had frosted windows on one side. My classroom was second to last in the wing. The space had a heavy feeling, especially for a preschool, where the energy is typically light and happy. The opposite end of the school had a few other classrooms and a set of stairs with a ramp beside it. As I was walking down the ramp, I asked the other teacher why it was there. She smiled mysteriously and said, This school used to be a funeral home. They would roll the bodies down this ramp to the viewing parlor. What the hell? Okay, I guess. We continued down the ramp and she showed me the viewing parlor turned multi-use play area. This space had carpet and shelves of toys behind curtains, and a musky smell. It felt heavy. As I previously mentioned in the left wing, I was informed I could take my class down any time to play in the afternoon, and would have an additional morning time slot as well. I was introduced to several more of the staff, and went on my way to mentally prepare myself for setting up my new classroom and being integrated into a class of 16 two-year-olds. The first week I started, some of the friendlier teachers told me not to be alarmed if my kids stared at the ceiling or into vacant spaces or pointed around the classroom. The teacher in the room next to mine told me her classroom was the most haunted. Children would talk about fire and point up at the ceiling during nap time. One or two special children would talk about how there's a fire up there, or the boy flying. I was thoroughly creeped out, but I've never had any personal paranormal experiences. And to be honest, I wouldn't mind seeing something. I'm a bit of an open skeptic. I want to believe. In the days shortly after, I made friends with two sisters who worked with me. They asked if I wanted to see something creepy 
when we were on our break downstairs. Curious as ever, I followed them into a tiny, dust-covered room that had a little shelf with some random items left behind from the funeral home. There was a really old typewriter used for typing up the obituaries and some scattered obituary cards with religious quotes on them. I was so confused. Why would the previous owners leave all this stuff behind? Were they forgotten or left in this little room for a reason? Then, the sisters went into the crawl space and showed me an old body gurney they had found. It was saturated with old bloodstains. I remember thinking it was really bizarre. Do we just leave all this in here and pretend it doesn't exist while we're singing wheels on the bus in the next room? Does every teacher know about this funeral home treasure trove? Turns out, most of the teachers were too scared to even open the door to that little room, let alone explore any of the other storage spaces. Time went on without any noteworthy occurrence. I enjoyed my class and simply dismissed the possibility of seeing anything paranormal in my classroom. Once in a while, I would creep myself out during a closing shift when I was one of the few stragglers in the building prepping for the following day. Teaching is truly a labor of love. The heavy feeling remained in the hallways and downstairs, but I got used to it. One evening, I had two children left towards the end of the day, Alex and Mary. It was winter, so the sun had already set. They had a lot of energy, and it was dark and cold outside, so my teacher's aide and I decided to take them down to the playroom for some physical activity. She and I stood at opposite ends of the room, watching the children and playing with them. Alex was about 20 feet behind her. Suddenly, Mary stared off into space in front of her and began giggling, saying, Alex, you're so silly. Alex, look at me. As she danced around the room, she laughed and said, Alex, Alex, look at me. Internally, I was freaking out. My aide and I looked at each other, wide-eyed. I turned back to Mary and, mustering as much calm in my voice as possible, asked, Mary, who are you talking to? She replied, Alex and I are playing. I pointed to the real Alex, still located behind her, quietly playing with his blocks. I said, Alex has been playing with blocks behind you. She stopped dancing in her tracks and looked in front of her to whomever she was playing with, then back to real Alex, back and forth from child to apparition about three times before looking back at me with the most confused look on her face. After a moment, she ran to play with the blocks with real Alex. My aide turned to me and asked, You saw that whole thing, right? She looked terrified. I confirmed yes, and we decided to head back up to the classroom for the night. While I never saw anything with my own eyes, 
witnessing a child clearly having a paranormal experience was enough for me. I never quite viewed that downstairs area the same way, and primarily stayed upstairs when I was alone in the evenings. It will always remain a mystery why the funeral home left certain items behind, or why they never did a proper cleanse before converting it into a school. But I am thankful for this quirky blip in my existence, and for the only ghost story I have. After my mother left my father, I was full of relief. It had been a tumultuous relationship, and to be honest, as an eight-year-old, I was done being stressed out all the time. The future looked bright. We had gotten a new apartment, and life looked good. For a few months, that is. Then my mother met him. The man who would try to physically and later mentally torture me for years until I left home. But that's not the focus of this story, at least not entirely. It started off fine until the inappropriateness began. When I spoke up with my siblings, my mother initially did the right thing. But later, after she had called the police and had him removed, he kept calling her. She kept crying, and then she had a conversation with us. She said, he says it was all a misunderstanding and that he wants to come back. How do you feel about that? I was terrified and betrayed, but also sad for my mother. She seemed so miserable, and in my young mind, I was the cause of that. So my answer was, whatever makes you happy. And with that, she smiled and hugged me. My stomach sank. Back into our lives he came. I remember being scared all of the time, and though the physical aspect stopped, the mental abuse started. I began to stay away from him as much as possible. I tried to stay out when my mom wasn't home. It worked for the most part. The following years were just a blur. One of my siblings and I were later sent away with family for a year. My mother bought a new home while we were gone and then went to pick us up where we had been staying. She brought us back and tried to make the new house some kind of big surprise. I guess she expected more excitement from us, but no matter how shiny the house, that demon of a man was still there. He tried to pick up where he had left off. He started with his mental abuse, but I argued back now. I didn't always win, and most of the time I ended up in tears, but I never stopped trying to stand up to him. My siblings and I also did not have the best of relationships, So that added to the chaos. There was constant arguing, yelling, and toxic talk in that house. I, being the most sensitive, would end up in tears when my siblings, or that man, would gang up on me. One day, my mother had another surprise for us. It was counseling with the church pastor, telling us that we needed to start forgiving this man. That's what God would want. We needed to start being submissive to him because... He's the head of the household in God's eyes. And if we were going against him, we were the ones in sin. Obviously, this is bullshit. But back then, 
I thought even more than before that I might be the problem. This all built up, and instead of things getting better because of our counseling sessions, it just got worse. We were constantly fighting, bickering, being put down, and putting others down, with him being the main one. He even went so far as to tell my mother to stop cooking us meals, and she listened. You just felt this thickness of rage in the house at all times. The escalation of this negative energy just grew until one night, the shadow creature made its appearance. The night that it appeared, I was looking out of our living room window. I saw something out of place, specifically a certain shadow wasn't matching the rest of them. Not only was it moving, unlike all the other shadows, but it didn't seem to be attached to anything. It was moving unnaturally fast. Back and forth it ran, from the front of our house and to the other side of the fence as I watched. Yes, I was finally losing it, I thought. Still, I couldn't stop looking. Not until my name was called out from inside the house did I look away and dismissed what I had seen. In the days that followed, there seemed to have been an escalation in arguments in the house. I stayed out of them for the most part. I was actually aware that something wasn't right. There was a feeling in the air that it wasn't safe. Throughout this time, I kept looking out the window and there it was, but closer and closer every time. I don't remember telling anyone initially. Not until I was in the living room itself, running back and forth. When I saw it, I slowly walked backward to my room and shut the door. I never believed that I could feel more uneasy in that home than I already did, but the shadow creature decided to prove me wrong. After that incident, I was never in the living room alone at night, and I didn't even really want to be there during the day. The good thing was that we had two living rooms, so I didn't have to be confined to just one room. One day, we were eating at the table when another argument erupted. I don't remember what the argument was, but I do remember the person yelling was one of my siblings. From what I remember, I was a participant in this particular argument until that feeling came over me. All of a sudden, I felt the need to tell her to stop. But she didn't listen. Then, the feeling of urgency overwhelmed me, and I pleaded with my mother, Mom, tell her to stop. She needs to stop because something doesn't feel right. My mother, shocked by my seriousness, and maybe feeling something as well, asked her to stop. But her anger grew, and yelling escalated. Then, her shadow seemingly began to grow larger until it reached the ceiling. The alarm clock in her room went off. Everybody was quiet, even her. Without really speaking, she and I ran to turn the alarm off, my mother behind us. When we looked, she didn't even have the alarm set for that time. No alarm was even set to go off at all. We were baffled. We were in shock. After some time, though, it was mentally dismissed by almost everyone else as a coincidence, mainly to help everyone in the house feel better about the situation. For the rest of the day, things became more peaceful between us than they had been in a long time. Still, 
the shadow creature was not done. I was no longer the only one that would see it in the living room, and it was no longer running, but now sitting on a recliner. That's where we would all see it now. Though, as I stated, I tried to avoid that living room like the plague at nighttime, I'd still have to pass it to get to the kitchen, the laundry room, and sometimes the front door. And there he was, still sitting there, unmoving. I say he because he looked like a man now that he was finally still. Michael, I called out, thinking that it was my older brother. No answer, just stillness in the dark, but darker than dark. Its arms, they stayed resting on the recliner's armrest. Its feet firm on the ground, with no movement and no acknowledgement of any kind to my calls. I was filled with dread. I felt cold, so cold I almost felt like I couldn't move. Grabbing and willing my way to the alleged safety of my room, I again found sanctuary there. Now, you have a family living in somewhat terror and somewhat denial of what's occurring in their home. More and more things began happening. Lights would turn off on their own. He would try to explain it away as someone not completely switching the light all the way up. So that's why it would come back down. But then the spirits of animals would come. I only saw them coming through the wall in my room at night while I was in bed. I thought it was just a reoccurring dream. But they seemed so real. Yet they didn't feel threatening. However, the voices did. They sounded echoey as if there were hundreds of them. That's the way I heard it. Everyone else would hear their names being called without seeing anyone there. It mostly happened when someone was alone in the house or at night. Everybody was fearful. He and my mother had people come and pray for the house several times, but whatever it was never went away. There would also be things that would fall in the kitchen, but that's as far as the haunting went, for most of us. One guest did state that while sleeping in my room when visiting, someone or something had grabbed his hand and tried to pull him towards the closet. At some point, something did move in my closet, obligating me to always keep it closed during my time at that house. My mother said it was because of our prayers that it didn't get any worse, but it also never got any better. There was always a heavy presence. But after a bit, one by one, we started moving out. The last ones left were my mother and her new husband who refused to ever be left alone in the house. Their relationship was also a rocky one. That house was eventually sold to another family. We all moved out of the city, so I can't tell you if that new family has had any experiences similar to the ones that we had. As far as we know, it's still in their ownership to this day. So to the family that currently owns our old home, I hope things are well. Back in 2019, I made the two-hour trip from our small country town to the closest major city to pick up a friend from the airport. This airport is massive. 
The multi-level car park just adjacent to it is this labyrinthian building made to house tens of thousands of cars at a time. And because this is pre-pandemic, it's absolutely packed. Driving up the ramps that lead to each level, it becomes obvious that each floor is designated a color and divided into number and letter sections to make finding your car a little bit easier. This is important, I promise. I park my car a few floors up on the purple level and take a picture of the sign over the parking space because I don't trust myself not to get lost despite it being close enough to the elevators that take you down to the ground floor. Just two rows of cars across, then straight ahead. After checking the time and messaging my housemate to let them know I arrived all right, I made my way down and out to find my friend and help them with their luggage. It's 6am, an hour later, by the time we finally managed to haul her luggage into my back seat. She sends a message to her boyfriend and suggests we grab a drink from the vending machines by the elevators before we take the long trip back home. Nobody is around at this point, maybe a few people on the distant other side of the building or the cars trawling up and down the ramps. We start walking back towards the way we just came, two rows across and straight ahead, remember? We are chatting and laughing when suddenly she stops dead. Uh, where are the vending machines? Sure enough, the vending machines that were definitely just there five minutes ago are gone. Not to mention the signs on the wall, those evacuation diagrams that show the different sections and exits, are now orange and a level lower instead of purple. Turning around, sure enough, all the signs above the rows of cars are orange, and we have no idea where we are. Now, I'm a skeptic. I don't necessarily believe in the paranormal on face value, and it takes a lot of debunking before I'm willing to admit something spooky might be going on. So, I retrace my steps back and across two rows and find that the space where my tiny Honda should be parked is now occupied with an SUV. By now it's been maybe five minutes since we dumped her luggage in my car and we're faced with a predicament. One, the only way we could have gone down a floor would be to either take the car ramps, which are located on the other side of the building, or take the elevator or stairs. Two, if we had, it would have meant we somehow managed to make a ten-minute walk in two minutes, or walked down a flight of stairs without noticing, and only realized it once we managed to end up at the exact same spot a floor below. Three, we couldn't have done either of those things, because her message to her boyfriend was time-stamped to being roughly about two minutes before we realized what had happened. Obviously, neither of us were engrossed in our conversation enough to not take notice 
accidentally taking an elevator or something. Somehow we'd materialized a floor below, with no rhyme or reason how. We took a very hasty elevator trip up a floor, those damn vending machines greeting us as the doors opened. We purchased our drinks, walked back and two rows, to find my car waiting for us. I cannot explain to you how this happened, and I've really tried to find a satisfying reason that isn't like magic or aliens or something. I've even studied the floor plan of the building which I found online. I've looked for similar events or even just people claiming to have gotten lost. Nothing. This isn't Denver Airport with all its unexplained happenings. It's just weird and probably the most mundane paranormal event I can imagine. Anyway, I hope you liked my story. After sharing it on Reddit, I've had a few people ask if they can feature it on their show, but I wanted to save it for you because you're my favorite podcast. Love you guys. Keep up the great work. The last couple of episodes, you guys have been talking about dreams and out-of-body experiences, but sadly, I don't have a lot of stories like that because being a heavy weed smoker affects whether you dream at all. I do have typical dreams like having a baby on a cruise and the first outfit being a Converse shoe, really weird ones. At the same time, I don't dream at all, but there have been a few times where I dreamt of my future. Not a deja vu moment, where the moment feels like you've been there before, but I've woken up from having very vivid normal day dreams, but they're in a dream. For example, I dreamt about my high school job where I was working at Taco Bell. One night, I dreamt that I was working in a kitchen, but it was different than my workplace. It was a totally different layout. I could see that I was standing at the fryer, shaking the grease off of some fries, dumping them into a silver bowl putting some salt on them while doing a 180, and putting them on a white counter. The thing is, I couldn't see the actual dining area or anything like that. I could only see the kitchen. I told my boyfriend about it when I woke up, because when we do have a dream, we talk about what it could mean. Maybe six months to a year pass by, and I end up leaving Taco Bell for reasons that are unrelated to the story. I find a job closer to home at a restaurant. I was just trying to fit in for the first few weeks and get to know my coworkers. One day, I'm in the kitchen area and I'm put on working the fryer. I only had to deal with chicken tenders and fries. As I'm shaking off the grease, putting them into a silver bowl and salting them, my head starts to get warm. I do a 180, put the fries down on the long white counter and look up to see the dining area and I suddenly get dizzy. I must have stood there for a full minute as one of my co-workers asked if I was okay. I quickly brush it off and tell him that I'm probably just getting overheated. At the end of the day, I rush home to tell my boyfriend what happened. He just gives me a weird look. A few months ago, I had a regular dream, but in this one, 
I'm driving downtown close to home when all of a sudden my steering wheel locks up and doesn't move. Slowly, I press my brake and put my car into park. That's it. I do have a problem with my power steering in my car. Sometimes I can barely turn the thing. I recently got a part to fix that problem. Let's just say that the dream I had definitely put that on the top of my to-do list. Will I eventually lose control of the car, unable to turn the wheel? When will it happen? Who knows? Only time will tell. I was five years old in 1974. My parents were getting a divorce. Divorce proceedings weren't finalized yet, and the welfare office was in the process of getting us food assistance. My mother had been a housewife, so she didn't work. When my father left, money was very tight. Our last Thanksgiving as a family, I remember looking at my father as he sat across from me at the candlelit table. I stared at him and thought, They say the last time you see a person is how you remember them forever. Strange thought. I mean, what five-year-old thinks that? A month later, he was gone. Not dead, just gone. You know the joke about fathers going to get milk and never coming back? Well, he must have run away with the whole dairy farm because he was literally just gone. As an adult now, I can only imagine being a single mother 600 miles away from your family with only a few friends to help. My mother must have been terrified and stressed beyond words. She never let on, never said a bad word about my father either. She was always there for me, and I tried to help, but how much can a five-year-old do? She had made a friend with a woman in the apartment building. She spent many hours with her. To this day, I don't remember her name. I can only remember instinctively not liking her. If mom and I were coming back from the park or Brooks convenience store, I would see her looking out of her apartment window. She looked like a dark shadow to me. She made my tummy feel sick, like how it felt when I ate too much candy. One night, I woke up to the sound of glass shattering and my mom letting out a surprised gasp. I went out to the kitchen and saw one of the glasses shattered on the kitchen floor. She was bent over, gingerly picking up the pieces and putting them into the trash. Careful, Peanut, she warned, as she held up a halting hand. She tried to smile while shooing me away from the kitchen. When I backed up, I saw little squares of paper on the table. I looked back at her, and her eyes were red. She had been crying, I think. Then I looked back at the papers. I didn't know what they were. Tired, I went back to bed. I always felt like something was watching me or following behind me. 
we were moving from our two-bedroom, third-floor apartment to a one-bedroom on ground level. As I was carrying things down the steps, I felt like there was something with me, something behind me, something close. I turned around, but no one was there. If I woke up in the middle of the night, I swore someone was next to me, but there never was. One night, I woke up feeling uneasy, and I got up on my hands and knees. I looked down at the bedsheets beneath me, and there it was. A baby alligator? Crocodile? Lizard? I didn't know what it was, but I knew I didn't like it. It made me feel how that lady made me feel, so I jumped out of bed to look for my mother. Instinctively, I knew she wasn't there. I knew where she was, though. She was with that woman, again. I opened the apartment door and proceeded to go up the steps. Some might say that I was dreaming, but I assure you I wasn't. I remember it all so clearly. There I was, standing in front of the wooden door of her apartment. It was open, just a crack, so I pushed it the rest of the way, and I stopped. I hovered in the doorway. I didn't know what I was seeing. Sure, I saw my mom and that woman, sitting at the small dining room table by the open window, but there was a white circle of light just drifting in. That woman stared at me, then followed my gaze to the window. What do you see? she asked. I didn't answer as I saw the circle leaving. It's okay, Peanut, my mother assured me. Did you see something? The circle was gone, as if it had never been there. I looked at my mother. Just a white circle. It's gone. Shocked, the woman looked at my mother. See, I told you he was here. And she saw him. Fast forward 14 years later, Mom and I were talking about the past as we sometimes did. It was close to Halloween, so we were talking about weird stuff over lunch. I brought up that white circle of light I had seen. She took a deep breath and exhaled slowly. Yeah, she began. I remember that. You're old enough to know what that was all about. Okay, strange. What was it? I asked. That woman was a witch. And not like a good witch, like Glenda. She was a dark witch. Your father had hated her, said she felt wrong, and really didn't want me seeing her. But when he moved out, who cared, right? I shrugged in agreement. She continued, That night, I was trying to contact my grandfather, and you walked in on it. Whoa, damn. Really? Yeah, I was missing him, so she said she could get him for me, and damned if she didn't. She was surprised you saw the orb, as she called it. Said you had a gift. A gift. Interesting. 
Well, that baby alligator in my bed, what was that? My mom then said, that was her. Had to be. She told me she saw you, and you were awake and coming to find me. She had opened the door to her apartment so you would come in, and then there you were. At that point, I wondered if it really had been her when I felt like someone was with me, watching me. And there it was. Creepy, yes, but wow. I did remember seeing the orb. It was white, but kind of transparent at the same time. I wonder if that had been her grandfather, but knowing she was a dark witch made me wonder if it was something else. I remembered back to the shattered glass in the kitchen that one night, and those square pieces of paper on the table, so I asked mom what that was all about. She said, oh, it was my attempt at a homemade Ouija board. I wondered if my grandfather was still around. I don't know what happened. The glass flew off the table, hit the wall, and shattered. After that, I was terrified and eventually shut off all contact with that woman and any of that kind of stuff. To this day, I do wonder if I don't have some sort of gift. Both my mother and my grandmother used to talk about how women on that side of the family had something extra. I didn't know what she meant until I was older. It makes so much sense. To start this story off, it seems only fair that I mention I've experienced more than enough death at a young age than any regular adult would normally. I'm now 22, and reflecting on these stories, I'm now convinced that I may be some sort of bridge to the other side. When I was eight, my uncle passed away, and we were very close. I would say we were closer than all of my other siblings. He had gotten cancer and passed away after a good fight. When my mom told me, I broke out in tears, sobbing. Not long after his funeral, I began to have experiences. I was in bed and awoken by a weird feeling of being watched. Once I was fully with it, there was what I would describe as somebody running in a full sprint around my bed, creating a barrier with this high wind. I felt so scared and finally got up the courage to run through the wind circle and went to my dad to tell him that something was in my room. Of course, when he took me back to bed, nothing was happening, and after he tucked me back in, and not a second after he left and closed the door, the wind started back up again. I was convinced this was my uncle telling me that he was with me and that he was okay. Almost a year after he passed, I was with my grandmother at her house and I saw this dark, cloaked shadow figure walking through her house on one side and out the other. Although there were no distinguishing features, I felt like it was my uncle telling me to tell my nanny that he was okay. That's exactly what I did immediately after, and of course my nanny sat me down in her dining room and started sobbing. 
Fast forward a few years later, me being between 11 and 12 years old, my nanny's husband, or my grandma's husband, and my mom's stepdad, Pappy, passed away suddenly one evening on the couch ending his fight with cancer. Not long after his passing, I was spending the night at my nanny's in the guest room at the front of the house as she didn't like to be in the house alone. My twin sister and I would take turns spending weekends with her, and this happened to be my turn. I was up late with the tiny lamp on in her guest room watching YouTube videos. As soon as I decided that I would get up and use the bathroom after drinking a whole cup of water, the living room lights flicked on. I saw shadows under the door which looked and sounded like somebody was walking against the carpet toward the light switch and then toward my grandma's side of the recliner. I then heard the recliner pop open. I've never been more scared in my life. Before deciding to just go to sleep, as there was no way I was going to open that door and find out who or what was sitting in Annie's seat, I remember thinking that it must be Pappy. He would always go to turn the lights on and sit on my nanny's side of the couch when he couldn't sleep in the middle of the night. The next morning, I asked my grandmother if she had gotten up to sit in the living room late in the night, and she said that she did not. To say that I wasn't surprised I was right is an understatement. In 2014, when my nanny passed away in hospice, in the double wide my mom, sister, and I shared, there was an experience that I shared with my mom, sister, and aunt. We were walking around the trailer park right after she passed while the funeral home picked up her body, and there was this all-yellow butterfly that followed us through our walk and in between all of us. My aunt said, it must be Nanny letting us know that she's at peace. And I've stuck to that because in the weeks following, I would always be greeted by or see a yellow butterfly watching me. I've noticed that every time I see a yellow butterfly, I've been thinking about Nanny a lot. My aunt, mom, sister, and I occasionally smell her perfume to this day, all at random times. Keep in mind this perfume over the years has permeated so deep into her furniture and belongings that even after she passed away, everything she owned smelled of it, so this scent was not one that you could easily forget. After telling these stories to my mother, she came back with her own stories about her father coming to visit her. She said that there was a time where my sister and I were both three and left unattended in the van while both she and my dad were gathering stuff up in the house. Once they returned, we told her and my dad something that our pop-pop, or my mother's father, would know and said that he asked us to tell her these things. My mother said that I especially have always been in tune with things that are unexplainable to others. I'm convinced this may have some truth especially after my experiences living in an old farmhouse built in 1865. But that story is for another time.
have to apologize right off the bat to everybody listening this week. My allergies have been really bad. Uh, at our house, we're surrounded by a bunch of fruit trees in the backyard. I thought it was a good thing, but they're blooming right now, and I'm just caked with phlegm. And my, my body is just inflamed. I'm, I'm doing terrible, and it's almost not worth even having them. Well, it might be worth it. What kind of fruit are we talking about? Uh, we've got apricots. We got two, yeah. A- two, yeah, two apricot trees. Um, Mediocre. We got a lemon tree, which doesn't really bother me. Doesn't uh, I like lemons? Yeah, it doesn't have any flowers or anything. And then we have like a fig tree, and honestly, we have other fruit trees in the back. We don't even know what they are yet. We're just waiting for them to bloom. How do you know that they're fruit if you don't know what kind of trees they are? Because we went and looked at the house before we bought it, and the owners were still here, and they spent like two hours going over everything in the house. They were very efficient and very polite. But in that two hours of data dumping, trying to retain everything, they went over what every tree was. We completely forgot. Mm. We completely forgot. So we'll see this year when they bloom. But <clears throat> I'm, I'm just like a super congested because of all of it. And we'll see if it's even worth it this year. That'd be funny if they're just like, so we got some apricots here, some lemons here, and uh, a couple fruit trees here. I just left it <laughs> there. A couple fruits. Yeah. <laughs> a couple Bible fruits over here. There you go. What are your favorite fruits? I like lemons and limes. I really do. And um, probably watermelon. Oh, watermelon. Banana, so good. blueberries. I've, mm-hmm. I've been on a watermelon kick lately. It's really good. Yeah. Blueberries, great. With tahine, tahine on the watermelon. No, stop what? it. You, you ruin everything. No, I'm just kidding. I know, I know. I've heard that before. No, we have such different tastes. It's so funny. I, it's not like a compulsory thing that I have to do, but I do enjoy some tahine or actually, well, this is vegetables, but cucumber with a little bit of lime and tahine is yeah. really good. Oh, yeah, Super that's good. refreshing. I like that. Um. So, oh, I got to ask, how is your house hunting going? I, I had a dream that you were in a new house and literally the next morning you texted me <laughs> with a picture of a house that you were looking at. Yeah, it's actually going really well. I love my realtor. Shout out Jordan Smith in Utah. <laughs> He's very helpful and I'm really excited about it. I need some bigger space. I need to branch out. I hate being in a rented home. It doesn't feel like my own. It's time for me to grow up, put on my big boy pants and just buy a house. So here I am. Yeah. Grow up and glow up. Speaking of dreams, uh, talking about the lucid dream story or future dreaming story in this week's episode, the author Drew was talking about how they are a heavy weed smoker and that affects them and their dreams that they don't have dreams. Well, that's actually not true. You do actually dream every night, multiple dreams. You just don't often recall them if you smoke weed. And drinking can also kind of have the same effect to a certain extent. Sometimes it can make you have even wilder dreams. But weed and drugs like that, they can really affect your dream recall. So you actually forget your dream the moment that you wake up most of the time. Um One more interesting thing that I learned when looking into this was that we usually have nightmares or bad dreams closer to the ends of our sleep cycles. And women report having more nightmares than men. Really? Why why is that? Do we know why? I don't know. But honestly, if you listen to my other podcast... (laughs) I can imagine why. Yeah, Yeah. you probably understand why, I guess. Well, that's one reason to stay clean and sober. I'm glad I've gone down that path. Now that I think about it, when you put it that way, I do. I can remember a lot of my dreams. And in fact, I've mentioned before, I lucid dream probably weekly and have really good dream recall. Nice. Yeah. 
Yep. I did have a lucid dream the other night. It was very short. I was looking at a TV, like an old tube TV. It was black. And there were two people standing in, in the screen looking back at me. But to my left, there was this dark cloaked entity coming into the room that scared me really bad. And uh, so I made myself wake up. I was too scared to confront it. Mm-hmm. I should have because I know better now that you can actually confront those things in lucid dreams. But I don't know. I, uh, I got too scared and I woke myself up. I had one where I ran into a girl who I know and I asked her, I'm like, hey, what are you doing here? Is this is this a dream? Come on, be honest. And she goes, no, this is not a dream. I just wanted to say, hey. And she tricked me and I did not go lucid that night. Usually I ask myself in a dream or I ask a person I run into if I'm dreaming and that's what spurs it. That little snake, she convinced me that I wasn't dreaming. and I didn't go lucid that night, but a weird one that I did have, it wasn't lucid. I had just watched American Psycho for maybe the 70th time (laughs) and I had a dream that I was in some high rise building in the city and as I was looking out onto the street below, this fighter jet swarms straight vertically up like three feet from the window. And I can see the cockpit and the pilot looking at me and he's just hovering and he gives me a thumbs up like some Tom Cruise top gun thing. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. And then I hear like some wrestling to the left and right of me. And then these pilots start jumping through the windows and the blinds like an ET when the scientists raid his home. It was like that. I'm like, what is going on? And then they take off their helmets And not at all to be political or anything like that, but they take off their helmets and they have the flag of the People's Republic of China on them. And I realized, holy shit, these are Chinese fighter pilots. They might want some information from me. And I just got scared because they start closing in on me, breaking into my high rise apartment. And that's when I woke up. It was wild. They they were flying fighter jets. Whoa, that's like an 80s movie. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. I I wanted Steven Seagal to come in and save me (laughs) with his guitar, (laughs) his karate and his guitar. His awesome Aikido. Uh, Drew did talk about uh, having premonitions in the dream. That's kind of what it was all about. Um, I've actually had a lot of premonitions in my dreams or rather precognitive dreams but mm-hmm. that's not insane or rare. There, like all kinds of artists like Salvador Dali, uh, Edgar Allan Poe, John Lennon, a, a bunch of others have come up with their ideas or had something important revealed to them in their dreams. Yeah, and yeah. that was their key to success. So they were essentially seeing the future in their dreams. Um, the, the same thing can be said for warnings and signs like you had in your dream, Drew, uh, or future events. I'd recommend keeping a dream journal so that next time you have one of those memorable dreams on paper and it actually happens, then you have the proof that it truly was a precognitive dream. You don't have to convince everybody that you dreamt about that moment because you already have it in your journal. And if you really want to explore like the ability to view the future in your dreams, I would recommend taking breaks or quitting any kind of drugs or stimulants. It's also good for your body. And when you go off of them, your dream recall is going to be kicked into high gear. And you'll recall so many wild and crazy dreams because your brain's basically remembering your dreams all of a sudden out of nowhere. And it's it's just going to feel way more intense and you're going to remember way more dreams. Yeah, it's like kind of 
restarting your brain, like yeah. rebooting your computer. I keep mine on all the time. I probably shouldn't. Yeah, same. But I know it's good to reboot your computer once in a while. So look <laughs> at it that way. I'm always scared too, because I'm going to get an update that's going to ruin everything. And my That happened to me. Yeah. That happened to me. Remember, I encrypted my entire hard drive mm-hmm. with Vericrypt. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Now nobody can spy on me when I die. Then Windows updated and it changed like the key files or something. And I nearly lost everything. And it, yeah, I was in full panic mode. Yep. So what do you think about the alligator sighting and that crazy dream about the dark witch? Um, hmm. So I got to ask this. I don't remember. Did they say where they were from? They did not. But I think we're probably thinking the same thing. Yeah. Florida. (laughs) Florida. Definitely. Definitely. But who knows what it was? It was a manifestation of some sort that turned out to be potentially this witch who was channeling energy and trying to gain some sort of insight into these people's lives. But Florida, it's it's not a not too far fetched of a guess. Yeah. And I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here on this one because the baby alligator, it's such a I hate using this word. It's such a random event. It's such a random thing to appear in your bed. I'm going to catch some backlash for this. This is I'm now a repeat offender talking bad about Florida. I promise I'm not talking bad about Florida. In my other podcast, Welcome to Paradise, It Sucks, I did make some jokes about Tallahassee. Listen, I've never been to Florida. I don't know anything about Florida except what we see on the Internet. And (laughs) there's no denying that it's widely joked about how many crazy news stories and things come out of Florida. So I have nothing against Florida There's just a lot of wild stories on the internet. I've been there once for work. I was in Panama City and it was nice. It was nice. But I think the reason why it seems so crazy, there's like a number of factors. I've heard that every court case is open to the public. Like it's all public record. So that makes it easy Uh, pickings, really. And not only that, it's also a melting pot. You have a lot of retirees and tourists mm -hmm. and different cultures and Actually, melting pot. I prefer the term cultural mosaic. I've heard that before, and I think it's a lot more. Mm-hmm. It's heartwarming. That is, you know, it's heartwarming, yeah. but you know what else is warming? A melting pot. Oh, true. <laughs> Shit, you're right. Yeah, m- mosaics aren't warm. Yeah, no, mosaics back. are cold. They belong in churches, uh, museums and churches. <laughs> I don't, what are we even talking about? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think it's too early for us to get into this spooky mood. Well, no, you do have a point. I guess because of the fact that all these records are public, outlets, news outlets are just picking all of the wildest ones that are going to get the most clicks and the most views. So we're getting all of those crazy things out of Florida that probably happen in other states. They're just not necessarily all public. So maybe the news outlets don't have as much wild and crazy stuff to pick from. So maybe Florida is not as buck wild as we think it is. And you have all the spring breakers, too, who aren't necessarily flocking to Iowa. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I, I spent my spring breaks in Iowa. You know what? I do, too. Yeah. What, what's in Iowa? Slipknot for one. There we go. Yeah, I spent all my spring breaks in Iowa. Um, Hanging out with Corey Taylor. <laughs> exactly. Uh, anyways, thanks everybody so much for listening. This week you have heard Mary Saw a Little Ghost by Meat Puppet Machete. My First Encounter with a Shadow Man by Monica. Getting Lost at the Airport by Variance. Not Lucid Dreaming, but Future Dreaming by T. Drew. 
Baby Alligator in My Bed by Angela, and finally, I've Seen My Dead Relatives by Desiree. Don't forget to send your stories in to stories at oddtrails.com if you want to hear them on the show, and make sure you sign up for our Patreon if you'd like to get ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bitrate for the best listening experience. Plus, you get to support the show and keep us going. This show's not possible without all of our wonderful patrons and everyone who supports us. Also, one last thing, don't forget to check out my other podcasts, Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast, The Old Time Radio Cast, and Welcome to Paradise, It Sucks, over at crypticcountypodcasts.com. We'll see y'all next week. Stay safe. Peace out. Sick. Don't let the ghosts and the ghouls disturb you, darling.